I like the handheld just because so many places I go, that's all they have. So I just get used to it. Well, it's good to be back here in the house. We've had a good couple, uh, day and a half with a lot of you that were with us this weekend, but, um, I'm, it's good. I, am, I have anticipation for what the Lord even has this morning. Um, about, I think maybe it was a month and a half, a month ago, you had our really good friends Gabriel and Michelle Stridham here, our South African friends, and um, we want to just give you a quick testimony. He, Gabriel just told us that uh, a team went into a, a nearby village and led 25, or 56 families to the Lord, and one of them being a, a satanic high priest, uh, fully surrendering his life to Jesus. So that's pretty amazing testimony. Philip and I have really had the honor of walking very closely with Gabe and Michelle. And so it was so fun when they came here and just the whole family connection. That's always, that's always great when you are able to even just introduce the greater family. You know what I mean? All right, I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to have fun, but in one sense, I just feel like the Lord put this word on my heart this for this year, so I just feel like to share it with you guys, and let's just see what the Lord does with it. But the last really major encounter that I had was in April of 2015, so it's starting to be a little while, and the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night, and he gave me a vision, he gave me an encounter. And he asked me to just hang on to it. I told a few close people, but I didn't really share it publicly because it was still in that place of weighing and testing and going, God, what are you saying through this? And the other reason that I didn't is because some of the language God used is not language that I would use. And so therefore, I was like, I don't want to say this unless you tell me to because of the nature of it. But I feel like the Lord released me in the last couple months to begin to share this word and a word around it. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. So he woke me up in the middle of the night and he took me into this vision and it was about the glory of God. And the Lord spoke to me this word and this is, I don't like exaggerated language or, you know, spooky stuff. That's just not who I am. But the word he used was apocalyptic glory. I would never use that word. That's why I know it was him. So, he used this word, apocalyptic glory. And in this vision, I saw the increase of the glory of God beginning to cover the earth. And I do not have human words to describe what exactly that looked like or felt like. The word glory, if you study it, it's like the word beauty. There's, you ask somebody, what does beauty mean? And everyone will give you a different definition according to what beauty is to them. Well, glory is similar into that. It's still, it, everything about it is who God is. He is his presence, but there's so many descriptions of what the increase of the glory of God looks like or feels like and all of that. But in this, it looked like, like almost like a cloud, but, but more. And it began to just increase in the earth. And in the vision, I saw all of these ministries and they had the name of Jesus written on them. So it was like if there was a doorpost, it said Jesus on the doorpost. But as the glory increased, and it hit these ministries, and it hit these uh, movements, if it truly wasn't actually rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, they went like smoke and disintegrated. And it was so shocking because I didn't know which one would remain and which one would stay. You had no way of truly knowing until the glory showed up. And I'm just standing there kind of like 
within the fear of God, scared because it was so intense. But then all of a sudden, I see these people standing there, and they're like broken. I could tell that some of them were physically broken. Some of them were mentally broken. They, they were just fractured people. And I saw that glory coming from them, and I held my breath like, oh, no, what's going to happen? But when that glory hit those people, suddenly they were restored. And the voice of the Lord says, this is the glory that both destroys and restores. And I'm like, well, that's pretty heavy and intense, you know. I mean, it shook me to the core, and I just held it for about a year. You know, I shared a couple times, but then the Lord, I started seeing all of these things begin to happen. And I realized that this, even though it's not covering the earth like we know it is going to and continue to, there's something that's happening right now where there's this exposing going on and there's a shaking happening and things are moving in a different way than they've ever moved as long as I've been doing this. And as I've checked with those that have been doing it longer, they would agree with me that there's something presently happening right now. And so I know that everything that you know, we're now giving our life to has to do with this glory covering the earth and that we are in the hour of Matthew 24, 14. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world, to the whole world, to the testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, no one knows the day or the hour that Jesus will return. But I just know today that it's sooner today than it was yesterday. Right? So in that, we know that there is an increase in those places that... We're closer today than we are. And the other part is that because I'm involved with YOM and emissions is that we're really kind of on the front lines of what's happening in a lot of nations right now. But the biggest part is, is that we're actually only a few years out of seeing every nation and people group and language having a portion of scripture in their language. So there's like a part that goes, come on, we're almost done. There's another part that goes, hold on, wait. And then the end will come. Uh-oh. If we do this thing, it's saying, wow, we've never been here before. And there's an excitement of what is happening in the earth right now, but it also puts the fear of the Lord in you. So I believe that we're in times of the increase of the glory of God. Now, Dennis didn't know what I'm going to get up here and talk about and tell him. But even he started out saying, the glory of God that fills the house. So this display of God's power, the increase of his manifest presence, and the awareness of who he is. There's just an awareness of who he truly is. So I believe that the lines are being drawn where we're required to make a stand for truth, which is the truth of Jesus. In John 14, 16, he is the way, he's the truth, and he's the light, and no man can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Now, many of you in here are going to know what a plumb line is, and any of you that have worked in the area of construction, you're really going to know what a plumb line is. But there's probably a few of in here that don't. If you're not in the world of construction, you may not understand exactly what it is, but we're gonna, we're gonna show you here in a minute. So I'm gonna ask Philip to come and help me. You can see like, what is that thing hanging there? That's a plumb line. And so he's gonna lower it down a little bit, and I'm gonna hand him this mic when he does, and he's gonna explain to us from a construction point, if you don't know, but Philip's whole background is in construction, so he has an authority to speak on this topic. Um, he's going to tell us what a plumb line is. So a plumb line is one of the most ancient tools of measurement. When we look far back as you've been building, guys have been using plumb lines. 
And so what a plumb line actually does is it creates a perfect axis. As ancient as it is, it's still the standard for an axis to measure off of. And so it will mathematically, there's nothing you can't do with this access point when you're building a building. So what I need is a really good-looking single guy in plaid who's a welder. Oh, this guy right here, I think he's single, ladies, just for the record. Come on up here. He's my assistant today. And we're going to show you what it looks like to measure. Hey, bro. You want to hold me on that wall? I'm on that wall. So when I measure this wall, we'll go down at the bottom. I'll measure this wall, it'll give me a measurement. That measurement is 12 foot and 3 eighths of an inch. When I come up here, I'm going to measure that wall again, and it is 12 foot and a half an inch. So we know that that, that wall's running pretty plumb, but this line is perfectly plumb. So we're able to measure something against what is actually ultimate truth in the building world. And so what a plumb line represents is mathematical ultimate truth. And that's what we have in Jesus. And thanks to this guy, ladies, he is single, he's a welder. Thanks, guys. So there's three main purposes in which the plumb line is used. To build a building, but once the building is built, it's to test the building. To make sure that it's staying plumb to the truth, right? And the third thing is to measure the level of destruction that might be needed to get back to that perfect plumb line. So there's times where we build a building and over time through the shifting of the earth to all kinds of things, buildings can start to lean or maybe they weren't built the right way. And when they do, the plumb line will actually measure how far down we go to destroy it so that we don't take too much but just enough to get us back to where that foundation or that part of the building is in the right measurements, Right? So it does all of those things. The plumb line establishes the ultimate truth of the building. Now in construction, Philip has told me, and this has nothing to do with the church, this is the construction world, and trust me, a lot of that's not like the church. So they call it the God corner. There's a corner of the building that is called the God corner. We're going to get into that in just, a, in just a minute. But even in that world, that's still what it's called. So in Amos chapter 7, we see some of the most detailed scripture about this plumb line. And Amos is actually called a seer prophet. It means he saw in the spirit, he had visions and encounters um, sent by God to prophesy to Israel. And he's having this vision of the judgment of God against the people and their sin. And he sees two destructive visions and pleads with God to not do it. But then we see in verse 7 and 8, he says, Then he showed me another vision. And I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that he had built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I answered, a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore all their sins. So we're talking, this is, 
the ancient form, like Philip was saying. So in the Old Testament, the plumb line of God was the law of God. So he is saying, I'm testing my people against the law of God, the ultimate truth, because that's who God is. He's perfect. He's holy. He cannot waver in any way. And he's saying, I'm testing my people according to the law. And God is righteous. So righteousness is one of the main attributes that God is is attributed to in the Bible, that he is righteous. It's the primary meaning of the word righteousness has to do with his ethical conduct. It has to do with moral purity. So he is perfectly pure, and his ethics are perfectly pure. So when God is righteous, it's holy. We sing all of these things, but sometimes we got to remember what it is that we're singing. So the law of God was about people being righteous. It was about people being pure. It was about people looking like him. It was about holiness. That's what the law was about. In Isaiah 28, verse 16 and 17, he says, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It's precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. And whoever believes need never be shaken. And I will test you with the measuring line of justice and the plumb line of righteousness. So the plumb line represents the righteousness and holiness of God. And Jesus Christ is what? Now our chief cornerstone. He's now our God corner. He is now that measure. He's the cornerstone of everything that we build. And we build according to that cornerstone. So in Acts 4 verse 11, Jesus says that he's the stone your builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. So in here, Peter, in Acts, he's preaching to the Jewish leaders. So think of the audience here. He's preaching to the Jewish leaders. In this verse, he is speaking to how the ancient buildings were built. So no stone was more important than the cornerstone because the whole structure depended on that cornerstone. So if the cornerstone wasn't exactly right, the entire building would be out of alignment. And it wouldn't be secure. It would eventually fall over. So for this reason, when the builders actually got ready to build a building, they would inspect all of the stones. They would look at each stone and they rejected all of them until they found the one they wanted. The best one. And they would put all the other ones in a pile to be used somewhere else in the building, but only the best and the perfect stone could be used for the, for the cornerstone and the capstone. So the first and last stone was placed, the Alpha and the Omega. So what, what Peter is preaching to the Jewish leaders, he quotes Psalms 118 verse 22. He says, to show that Jesus is the rejected stone whom God made to be the cornerstone of salvation. That the Jewish leaders rejected him, but God, not, but God accepted him and put him in the highest position of honor. So Peter pushed even harder with his conclusion preaching to the Jewish leaders saying, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which man can be saved. Acts 4.12. There is no other hope, there's no other way, and there's no other name than the name of Jesus. If we would be saved, we must come God's way or we won't come at all. He's saying this is the absolute truth. All of the things that you do cannot save you. Only he can. So through repentance of our sin, 
being washed in the blood of Jesus, we are made righteous and we're made holy through him. So now the plumb line, the cornerstone, is Jesus Christ. So we're not being measured to the law, but we are being measured to the man. Because he, he says, be holy like I'm holy. He says, he's on the earth to show us. He, he came and he died for our sins, but he came to demonstrate to us how we're meant to walk and live and be in relationship with the Father. He's the model. So in the moment that we're born again, we're made clean. We are fresh starting point. So the moment that we're saved, it's like the cornerstone that's put in place and we build the rest of our life on it, right? We're, it's perfect in that moment. And what we do next has everything to do with us saying yes to Jesus. So we're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the sanctuaries of God. Our lives are no longer our own. And we've been bought with a price. We're Christians. We're the Christ bearers, right? So as we grow and as we build, we have to build according to Jesus. Because he was sent on earth to show us the way, the truth, and the light. So I am the way. Jesus is the plumb line. Jesus is, there's nothing that can change that. You can hang it from anywhere and it's going to be straight up and down. So the building can be off, but that's going to hang straight. It's the law of gravity. You realize just, you think about the creation of the earth. If it was like one centimeter different, it'd like all burn up or all freeze. Talk about perfect. He works within that. So Jesus, for our entire ministry, is that plumb line. So he showed us how to live in holiness and told us how to be holy like he's holy. So he would be cruel if he told us to be something that was impossible to be. So if he said, be holy like I'm holy, that meant that it's possible. Or he would have never said that. It's against his character and his nature. So he's saying, align yourself to me. So when we get saved, Jesus becomes our plumb line in the truth, and we're no longer of this world. Everything changes at that point. The world is no longer a plumb line. Our generation is no longer a plumb line. Our nation's culture is no longer a plumb line. History is not our plumb line. He alone is our plumb line. Our vision is set by him, our values are set by him, and the truth is set by him. Never have I known a time in human history that ultimate truth is being questioned like it is today. Never have I ever seen or heard of these types of conversations of what truth is. But it doesn't matter what any generation, what any political realm says. What it, it doesn't change what absolute truth is. It doesn't change him. He is unchanging, unwavering, unmoving. He is perfect, always has been, always will be. So we can build our buildings all wonky, but it doesn't change what absolute and ultimate truth is. So we've been saved by God's grace, and he extends it to us again and again. That's why repentance is such a gift. Because as soon as we repent, we come back to plumb line. That's why it's such a gift to us. It's not a bad, well, we have to repent because you're, no, it's like I can continually come into the place of being like this with him again. So repentance was actually the first message that Jesus began to preach. So when we confess our sins, when we say, this is wrong, 
when we confess, it's the first step toward repentance. And what confession is, it's a change of mind toward the sin. Right? So it's saying, I confess that my mind thought this was okay, or I tolerated it, or whatever it might be. My mind has changed now about this. Like how many of you, along the way, you're convicted of something, and you thought one way, and suddenly he shows you, and you're like, oh, I've been thinking wrong. I changed my mind about that. That's not okay. The Bible says that that's not okay. So my mind changes, and once my mind changes towards it, then I can actually repent. But I can't repent if my mind's not changed or I'll do it again. Your heart can't be changed before your mind. Your mind has to change towards that so that your heart can change towards that. So it's saying I agree with God's spirit of the conviction and I acknowledge it. I change my mind towards it and I acknowledge it for what it is. So we change our mind and then we change our heart. And we ask God, I need to see it and feel it as God sees it. See, I can't truly repent, or so I can truly repent to the level of revelation that I have about it. So that's why the, the Lord, in our maturity as we grow, and maybe a new Christian isn't convicted about those things because that's not where they're at. But us as more mature believers, as we walk with God, He's changing our mind about those things. And so we repent of them because they're sin to us because we know what the Word says. And it's that maturing process that we walk into. So when our minds and hearts have been changed, then our lives change. But can people repent? Not, we see it all the time, and their lives don't change because their mind hasn't actually changed towards it. So I'm a holiness preacher, okay? So like I'm a fear God preacher. It's what I burn for. But even in this is you're going, God, it's not like don't let me look at it. I repent. I know it's bad, but I don't really want to know. No, it's like grip me. I want to hate this sin. I don't want this in you. I want you to show me how you feel about it. I want you to show me. I want to see it like you see it. Change my mind so I hate it. Not like, okay, I repent. I'm not going to go over here now. No, it's like, I'm not just changing my mind. I'm changing my heart. And then guess what? You won't go back to it. You won't. Not if you really see it like he sees it. It just changes you. We got to be real. And that's where his grace comes. And you're like, there's freedom. Why? Because the truth over the sin set me free. And the truth of who he is sets me free. Oh, it's possible. It's possible to walk through those gates in heaven going, look what I get to walk in. I learned freedom on the earth. <laughs> now, people may not get healed or things may... But to go, I'm as free as humanly possible this side of eternity. How fun would it be to walk through those gates then? Going, I learned here who he was. and It just gets me charged up. So when our minds and hearts have changed, our lives change. When we ask God for the fear of the Lord, then we hate sin. And we hate it once, once we really look at it. And we don't do the things we hate. Nobody does the things they hate. I mean, no one is like, it's just against our human nature. Some people, I hate this, but I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm like, you don't really hate it then. Listen, I don't choose to eat things I hate. I'm not like, well, I'm going to choose the thing I hate. Like, it just doesn't make sense, right? 
So having, asking God for that in our hearts. So we're in a season of the increase in every way. We keep talking about the increase of power, the increase of presence, the increase of the kingdom. And I can tell you we're in an increase. We're in an advancement. We're in an acceleration. And so with that kingdom advancing, we are the members of that kingdom. Would you agree? We're the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the preachers of the good news. We're the builders of his kingdom. So I'm telling you, we must continually allow the plumb line of Jesus to come and test what we're building in our lives and from our lives in accordance to the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. We have to continually, you don't just use this at the very beginning. You use it throughout the entire process and even after it's spilled to continually to test is this staying plumb to God. In Acts 17.30, in the past, in his in Acts 17.30 says, In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the, by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Oh, that we would love the righteousness of God. Hebrews 4.12 and 13 says, For the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And it penetrates even to the dividing between my soul and spirit. Joints and marrow. And judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. And everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know, in my world, I'm around a lot of young people. And they find out I'm prophetic and all of this. And they act all funny around me sometimes. I'm like, what's going on? They're like, I'm afraid you're going to see something. I'm like, I'm just Amy, though. I wouldn't really be worried about what I see. Did you know that God's all seeing, though? If you're scared of me, we got a problem. <laughs> like, a, I'm your least of your problems. Like, you realize how silly we are sometimes. But when he sees everything. But we have to come as Christians to be, walk in a greater fear of the Lord because the glory of God is increasing and something is happening on the earth and we have never been in these times. Hear me. I'm not trying to preach a good word. I believe this is the word of the Lord. I am seeing this happen. There is an increase. We are in a different time. And he's saying, be holy as I'm holy because he's coming and has to actually be plumb and rooted and grounded in him. In John 17, verse 17, it says, Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. See, truth is un the unalterable reality of God. It cannot be changed. And that is why the word says both that Jesus is the truth and also that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what happens on the earth, it doesn't change. Right now, People are trying to say it does. But my Bible says it doesn't. He doesn't. Now we have new revelation all the time. But if it's truly from God, it's going to be plumb to who he is. Jesus does not change with time, nor does truth change with time. It's the truth that sets us free. The same truth that set people free a thousand years ago is the same truth that sets people free today. I see it every day. It's still the truth of the word of God. The word of God carries the same power it does from the day it was written until forever. John three twenty one says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light 
so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Because I've been in ministry for now for over 20 years. And there are the people that I did ministry school with here. There's people that I did life with here, that I went to another Bible school, did school with them. I was in the same rooms. I've watched them have encounters. I've heard their visions. We were called and anointed and appointed in the same revivals and had the same stuff. And some of those, I find that they've shipwrecked their faith along the way. And it's so shocking and unsettling to me. But I know this is why. I'm like, they didn't start like that. They started plumb just like the rest of us. And they didn't set out to shipwreck their faith. They surely didn't set out. That's not what they wanted. I was in the room. I know what they want. I personally know them. Then there's some that I saw from afar that I don't have a personal relationship, but that we're teachers. We're here all the time right now. People that were the proclaimers of truth, renouncing that. How does that even happen? Well, they start building and building to their own truth, and they weren't checking in with the plumb line of God. Somewhere along the line, they started thinking something that was out of alignment with who he is. They didn't start that way. I have to think that somewhere along the line, their walls started to lean and started to be misaligned. You see, when it first starts to happen, you can't see it. Things usually look straight to you. And if you don't continually hold up the plumb line of Jesus next to it, you may not recognize it until it's too late and fallen down. And that's real. You, can't, you don't walk up a house and go, looks like it's leaning a little bit. Not in the beginning. But somewhere along the line, it starts to lean. And so when we continue, we can keep that from happening when we're constantly checking. Now, a lot of people go, well, God spoke something and I built it, therefore it's good. But sometimes it's like, mm, keep checking in. Keep checking in. Not in a fearful way, like I'm scared something bad's going to happen, but in a way of he's good, he's holy. Do not lead me up from this place unless your presence goes with me. Lord, keep me aligned in your heart. Don't let me fall into the assuming I know. I need to know because I hear your voice. Your mercies are new every morning. You are the way, the truth, and the light. Every day you light my path. Without you, I'm nothing. I need you to lead and guide me. Even in construction, when something is not aligned, sometimes it has to be destroyed. And if the foundation is still good, and they can tear it down to the area that it needs to be torn down to rebuild again according to the cornerstone, the plumb line. So they will use a measuring device of how far to tear that down, like I said before. Sometimes some of you are like, whoops, got off. But you're in the room. <laughs> so what did you do? You tore that thing down. I started thinking some crazy thoughts. I repented of those thoughts. I tore it down to where I back to where I knew it was still good started to build again. Awesome. He did the right thing. It's not a place of shame. It's a place of thankfulness for the grace of God. And you're back in the room. Because I've been around. Some of you I didn't see here for a while. Facebook is telling, you know. Now look. That's the grace and mercy of God. That's how good he is. That he doesn't say destroy the whole thing, it's done forever. He says let's just bring it back to where we know it went off. And let's build again. 
When we live our lives in a way that we're not comparing our lives to anyone but Jesus and continually allowing him to come and measure us to the truth, then we will live worthy of our callings. Because sometimes what we have to do is we go, hmm, I think I'm straighter than theirs. They're straight. <laughs> and sometimes we look at each other as our plumb lines. And that'll get you off real fast. Only he can be. It's not like, well, I'm doing all the right, seems, I must be good. No, that's not it. It's him. Right? And that's how we live worthy of our callings. Because if we're comparing our callings to somebody else, we'll never actually walk in the truth of what we're called to be because we're using the wrong plumb line. He is it. So if you're called to be a teacher and you're comparing yourself to a teacher instead of the teacher, then you're going to be, it's not going to work. You understand. Comparison is the killer of revival. When we allow the true repentance to be a part of our lives, then it allows us to realign ourselves and what we're building. I can say that in this last season, I've encountered more of the fear of the Lord than I ever have in my life. But it's also so exciting because it has to do with increase. This is the hours that we prayed about to be in where we see God's glory hitting places. Right now, you guys, ironically enough, you know, the fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran. Led by women. Coming to Jesus. Yeah, we might see what the news says, and that's, that's really real. There's bad, bad stuff happening. But underneath all that bad, there's a whole movement happening where people are coming to Jesus left and right. And all the surrounding nations. We are in the day that he is making himself known. I know this can sound heavy, but you know what the reality is? Is the weight of his glory is heavy. (laughs) And if we're called to be carriers of his glory, then it's kind of real. So I believe that this year, 2020, is significant in a way that we will look back on as a marking year of our lives and in the kingdom of heaven. So I want to invite us this morning to invite Jesus the plumb line into our lives. To welcome it, to ask for it, to love it, to walk humbly and repent quickly. We don't have time to debate about it. I just got to go, Jesus. <laughs> I don't care what my friends, I know what you're calling me to. You are the truth. So we have to ask ourselves, is there any area of my life that I'm avoiding that plumb line? We know when we're avoiding. I don't really want to measure that area because I don't want to know. I'm doing good in all other other areas. Guys, we don't have time to have those areas that we're not measuring according to God is there any area of your life that you're aligning with that is outside of the truth of the word of God and the life of Jesus in other words is there anywhere that we're aligning to the spirit of the age or the popularity of this that and the other or we going I know you know I'm I'm around a lot of young people and we have the most biblical illiterate generation we've ever had before I don't know the word of God So everything they're aligning themselves to is the opinions of the age and the opinions of man in many, many ways. But it's so fun to watch the truth set them free. And then they're just fired up for holiness. So we get really wild holiness guys coming through that understand grace and mercy and all of that. But they're like, it's like the harder I get on them, the more they love it. Like, yeah, this generation is actually wired for this. The enemy is trying to tell you something different, but they want it. And when they come out of the 
disillusionment. It's like something gets rooted and grounded in them. Guys, in the darkest hour of human history, a generation arises and says, the world has no hold on me and hell can't touch my spirit. Well, we're up against a challenge. But he, he's the God of miracles. And the truth sets people free. So truth of the word of God in the life of Jesus. So we allowing our, your mind to be changed, your heart to be changed, and your life to be changed by the revelation of truth. Oh, that we would be the people who walk in righteousness and embrace holiness. Guys, this gets me so excited because I feel the most free when I'm the most aligned. And sometimes people think it's less freedom. Oh, it's exactly the opposite. Freedom is holiness. It really is. There's a different... If freedom isn't getting to do what you want to do, freedom is being free from anything else. That... He alone is my Lord. That I'm not a slave to sin. That I walk in freedom. That my heart feels alive. Right? Guys, I believe that this house, if people that will have been walking this way for a long time. So I'm not thinking, mm, there's sin in the camp. No. I'm sure there's people that are struggling. There always is. I'm sure there's things. But the reason I'm saying this is because I think God wants to, well, I believe that God wants to invite you in to what he is doing this weekend. It's all been about encountering God, but the Lord has been just speaking to us about the increase. And I hear it come from your pastors. You're not building a building because that's the cool thing to do. You're building a building because you believe God wants to fill it and send people out of it and do a whole lot of other things through it. It's not a building project. I already know them enough to know if they've gone this long without a building, I really don't think that's what matters. Right? You haven't had a building as long as I've known you. But it's time. And you would fill the house with the glory of the Lord. So I just want to ask, we're going to pray just real quick. We're running out of time, but we're going to spend just the next few minutes. And we're going to have the worship team come back up. Just even, or even just Tanner on the keys, Whatever. Just going to ask that question. This isn't supposed to be this fall and, you know, repent of every, I mean, if you need to, by all means, but I'm not trying to dig up something. What I'm saying is, are we allowing the plumb line in every area of our life? And even as you guys, I've traveled and see ministries and things, and that encounter haunts me in a good way, as <laughs> I'm like, Man, I know this thing started right. How did you end up here? Places that I ministered before or schools, all kinds of different things. And so I'm going, oh, he, we have to. When he says, tear it down, I'm doing something different now. He says, I'm not new, but I'm releasing something new. So structures change. And sometimes through time, it's not that you built it wrong. Just things shift in the earth. <laughs> the truth doesn't change. Sometimes the structures do. The foundation. That's why the cornerstone's in the foundation. It's not in the attic. You don't build from the... You understand. Come back to that part. So Jesus, I just thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I thank you for your truth. That we don't have to wonder what truth is. That we don't have to be left to ourselves to figure this out. That we actually have the word of God. The Bible. That's unchanging. 
Lord, I recognize that people can interpret things differently. Lord, there's so much. It's just so clear. And you are the way and the truth and the light. Lord, I thank you for the faithful ones in this house. Lord, the faithful ones that have found this family, that are here this morning. And I thank you for their years of saying yes to you. But Lord, I just ask, Holy Spirit, in your love and in your mercy that you would show us today. Is there any area of my life that I'm avoiding the plumb line of God? Is there any area of my life that I've been measuring according to something outside of Jesus? Have I allowed the opinions and political correctness to other voices change what I believe and know the truth is? Holy Spirit, come and reveal Jesus. Lord, even in the natural, they're going to build soon. They're building. They're continuing to build. Lord, it seems prophetic to me that in 2020, they could have a building. But Lord, the building is just a building. But Lord, we're the ones that are the church. So Lord, even as we enter into 2020, in this house, from the beginning of this year, whether the plumb line of God would come through the room, would come through our lives, and we would be in the greatest alignment that we've ever been before. Lord, I can say honestly, in all my years coming here, it feels more like that now than ever before. There's something that just feels so right. It witnesses with my spirit. But Lord, any last shred that's left, we say, Jesus, show us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit shows you, just repent, just give it to Him. He's so kind. His forgiveness, He loves to give it. Thank you, Jesus. When we receive your forgiveness, we come back into the plumb. We come back into alignment with the cornerstone. And we don't measure this house alongside any other movement or ministry. That's not our measuring line, you are. Thank you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray for that excitement to hit their hearts. We're ready for the glory. We know that when it lands here, it's going to remain. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is going to be a beacon of truth. A lighthouse that stands and doesn't waver. That shows the way through the storm to the truth. Just release that in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Why don't you stand with me real quick? Oh, such a good word, Amy. Amen.
such a right on word. I, I don't know if you're aware, but we had another pastor fall here recently in the valley. <clears throat> if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Lord, cleanses us from all sin. Brothers and sisters, I implore you to have people in your life that you're honest with that you can walk in the light with. This word walk in the light is the idea of being transparent. Listen to it again. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, the plumb line, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from our sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. His mercy is new every morning. Thank you, God. Um, All sin just starts with the wrong thought. And there's many times, I'm just going to be transparent. There's many times in every day that I have to capture a thought. And it can be a, a thought of judgment, it can be a thought of um, selfishness. It could be a thought of lust. Every day, every day, I have to catch a thought, and I say, "Oh God, oh God, I don't want that thought. I don't agree with that thought," because any sin starts with the wrong thought. It starts with the wrong thought. When I when I when I'm driving down the road, oftentimes in the, when I'm in the car, when I'm not doing something, a, a thought will come, and I, "Oh God." I sing a song. I know this is my way. It's not maybe your way, but I come back to some of the repentance songs we used to sing. The one I go back to all times, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, I want to be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me This is what I pray. Change my heart, oh God. I invite you to become that sensitive. Like You don't sin by not having wrong thoughts for a while. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gift of repentance. I thank you that you are restoring our first love. 2020 will be a year where we can look back and say, He made us on fire. He made us righteous people. We walk in the walk, not just talking the talk. Thank you for this word, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. And we invite you to show us. Continue to show us where we're building on a bad foundation in our lives. And we're starting to lean in our righteousness. And all of God's people have said amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, If you need prayer, 
We have people to pray for you. Um, also, real quickly, I do want you to have the privilege of investing in heaven and kingdom. And if you don't have a checkbook or cash and you want to invest, you can go right online. And uh, the, our global outreach portion, you can actually pull them up. There are designated people right there. And uh, if you want to write a check, write it out to Northgate and put Amy and Philip on the bottom, and it'll go to them. Um, let's invest in them, okay? God bless you. Have an amazing week in Jesus' name.